0: This podcast is sponsored by Uncana, Trusted Natural Solutions. Uncana is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran-owned and operated, the Uncana team is actively fighting for DoD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag optnatural. Uncana is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code Mentors the Number Four M I L at checkout at uncana.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at mentors slash disclaimer. Hey guys, it's Robert. Each week we try to bring you great guests, and this week is no exception. Angel Cortez is nothing short of amazing, and I can't wait to have you guys listen to this episode to hear his amazing story. Also, please be sure to you're checking out Veteran Owned US at veteranownedus.com of all of our wonderful veteran-owned businesses that we have listed there. They're offering you guys products and services, and we want to support veterans. So there's nothing that says buy American more than buying from a veteran. Head over to VeteranOwnedUS.com today. This is the Mentors for Military podcast. So I want to go and talk about a post that you actually put up yesterday on your Instagram. And I thought that might be a great place for us to start because, you know, you talked about the rough upbringing and everything that you had. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, it sounds like you had it pretty rough.
1: I'm the first one. my family a family born here. Uh, so a lot my parents were, they had immigrant jobs and, uh, you know, we were very poor. Yeah, I got used to not eating, you know, three times a day and sometimes... I got so used to there not being food that, like, let's say if it was dinner time or lunchtime, you just didn't ask because, yeah. you know, there was just there's no point. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the day before you didn't, the day after that, you know, or before that you didn't get any food. So, like, what what makes you think that dinner's going to be different today? Wow, that's um, difficult. And, and and they worked real hard. You know, they worked real hard, but but those jobs they didn't pay well. Um, so then they would send me to school and English just understanding school was was tough because at home it was always spanish and and the tv was in spanish so the only time i ever heard english was when i went to school so i I fell behind um on a lot of things um and i was malnourished so when we played sports you know i was never the strongest or the fastest and then you know we uh, i would wear the same clothes almost all week um and then one day my friend let me borrow clothes and then that introduced the whole idea of like hey you know, borrow clothes so you don't have to wear the same thing over and over. Um, you know, so a lot of my clothes, like, they were from my brother or a cousin or something, and they never fit me, but, like, you know, you had what you had.
0: You know, people don't realize today, uh, or they take for granted at least, you know, some of the great things that we have going on around us. You know, when the economy's great, life is good, or we grew up in an environment that's very different than what you're talking about. I mean, having to learn a new, a uh, a new language in a, an environment that you're not accustomed to in a household that's really struggling, but in some ways outside of school, you probably, I would imagine didn't even recognize a lot of that, right? You probably, it was, it was your childhood, your yeah. upbringing.
1: It, it was so normal. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was so normal that I, that's how I thought every, everybody was like everyone's household was like that. Um, and not until i got a little bit older like you know fifth grade sixth grade and i started visiting um you know friends houses and it was so weird to me when i saw their mom and dad together because by, by, by five by the age of five my parents were my parents were already split so it was so weird to be in the house and seeing the mom and dad and then them saying are you staying for dinner and saying like wait you have enough food for like also me and like do you want more and wow. <laughs> it was just it was so awkward to me, but that was like that's what a household should be, you know. But it was just so weird to me. Yeah. Now, so
0: this is by the time um, you were in middle school or so. So, growing up, did you get a chance to see your father after that, after the split, or was it? Arranged?
1: Um. Unfortunately, uh, he's he's a great grandpa now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've come to terms with that. But as as a father, no, he, I would see him. Whenever he wanted, whenever he decided to show up or or whenever my mom, because she, you know, she would yell and argue and we we can all hear it. We would also, we know, we all saw it until she threatened to, you know, call the cops or put uh, child support or whatever. And then he's like, okay, I'll, I'll start showing up.
0: Yeah, that's such a difficult um, upbringing right there. I know that my parents, it was much later, I was about 12 years old, I guess it was when they were um, separated and divorced. And so, you know, you would think, okay, I'm a little bit more mature and, um, you know, I should be able to deal with it and such, but it, it was it was challenging, you know, um, to go through that. And I think the the biggest challenge was more in my adult years in trying to have a relationship with a father who wasn't really there prior to my twelfth birthday and the divorce, and then you know uh, wanting to insert himself in some way, and we didn't really have a relationship. So I, I think I can somewhat relate at least to your experience there.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I agree with you. It, it was. I, I, I came to terms with it. Like I get it. He's, he's, um, I didn't get the father, but like, he's trying to be that grandpa, you know, and I can see him doing things that I I I think he would have wished he could have done when, with us. So I I let him have it, you know, and I let my kids have, have that experience. I'm not going to take it away from them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So you went on through high school and did you go to college or what was your path thereafter?
1: No. Um, well, so, you know, being poor, you kind of grow up in, in, in rough areas because, I mean, that's where rent is the cheapest. So growing up, because uh, um, my dad lived in Santa Ana sometimes, and then my mom always lived in Garden Grove. And Santa Ana, you know, in Garden Grove, they have their rough areas. So I, I didn't know what type of people I was looking at, but as I got older, I realized that, you know, they were all gang members and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and, I, and I used skateboarding to to stay away. Um, but then there came to a point when I was starting to become a teenager, and people that would never bug me or bother me or even address me now, all of a sudden, I, be, I didn't know at the time, but I was, I was entering an age where, you know, now they care about me. So, like, what are you doing? What do, who are you with, or, or who you're not with? Um, and then I became a troublemaker because I, I realized, to this day, I still remember it was. We were, you know, all my friends were skaters. So we're, we're hanging in front of school. And one of the, you know, one of the gang members decided to, that he wanted to use one of our skateboards. And I can tell right away that he didn't want to give it back. But, and, he, and they all looked at us and, and they like, oh, you guys are not going to do anything. And, and I wanted to do something because I, that was ours. And, you know, I was just going to let someone else just take our stuff. But then I realized that, like, the majority of my group was not going to do anything. And then that's when I realized, do, do I want to be stepped on every now and then? Or do I want to fight back, you know, or stand my ground? And I mean, obviously I didn't know the repercussions of my decisions, but I was like, no, I'm going to stick up. And I decided to hang out with people that they didn't like because I knew they would back me up. And high school was just uh, getting into trouble, fights. Uh, sooner or later, I got kicked out of my house. So I started... Uh, you know selling drugs and and but even then like what I was selling drugs like oh every time I, I I would make money I would go buy my brother and sister clothes take them out to eat put gas in my mom's car because I had at the time I didn't know but like I had no structure no role models no nothing mm-hmm. all I knew was in my face and that's your friends that's your at the time you know your reputation your your livelihood so I was like okay well I need to make money cuz you're in survival mode yeah, so uh, – but I, I, the entire time I knew where I was at was not it, – it wasn't – there's no way you can keep this up forever. You just yeah. can't. And I know it's not right. And I always knew I wanted to join the military since I was a – like I had – you know, whenever they would celebrate your birthday, like I have a cake. And then like I still have the picture that it's not Superman, Batman. It's, it's plastic green soldiers because I looked up two soldiers. You know, I knew – I'd like Superman and Batman, just like everyone else. But I knew, you know, they're fake. And when I would see war movies, I knew that type of individual was real, mm-hmm. and and that was something that I can look up to and try to be, and and you know, picture myself. I would daydream being like, I'm one of the guys. I I can be like that. I I can be like them. So as soon as I, I was old enough, I, I signed up. You know, I was 17 and a half. So I showed up to my mom's house with a recruiter, and she was like. Started crying because obviously we're at war at this point. She didn't believe me. She's like, "All these years, you were saying it." I was like, "Well, I was saying it because I wanted to." Yeah. Um. So I signed up, and and it it really saved my life because I I, I was either going to end up dead or in jail. Um. And and unfortunately, before I was even seventeen, I, I had already seen that with friends. I had already had uh, you know people who I consider friends were, were killed and 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 people lost in drugs that I, I would see one year. And you know, they were cool people to hang out with and next thing you know, they're just like a fraction of themselves. And I'm, I can't even recognize the human that I'm looking at. So I knew, I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm not going to college. I mean, no one has money. I mean, I'm not smart enough to get a scholarship. Um, But, so I joined the military because I always wanted to, but I had no idea. I didn't even know we got paid. I remember the recruiter was telling me, yeah, yeah, he, he was showing me the pay grade, the pay grades. And I remember just like looking at him like, I don't, what do you mean? And he's like, and he's like, this is what you get paid. And I was like, you get paid for this? And he just looked at me like I was like crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my God! So it, I can't imagine what
0: that would have been like if you'd have went off the basic training, and then all of a sudden you earned your first first paycheck. You'd have probably been blown away. So thank God the recruiter actually sat down with you and showed you the pay chart ahead of time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and 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 so right away I was already making money, more money than my parents. I mean, we don't the, the by no means like do we get paid a lot, but yeah. you know I'm just saying comparison. Like right off the bat, that put me up in there with the top earners in my family. So. And I also joined, you know, because I I, would, I told my brother and sister I was like I'm I'm joining for us. Like this is I joined for multiple reasons, but yeah. But I, I would I would tell them like this is for us. Like this is I'm doing this for us, um, and I did. You know, I I, I paid for my sister's culinary uh, culinary art school. Um, I during the recession I I, you know, took care of my mom and dad. Um, bought my mom a car uh my my brother's like he's really young so i couldn't really like pay for his school or anything like that so i would just every time i I would come home i'd buy him everything and anything um and i would just send money like all the time i paid for two of my family member citizenship so like i i tried to do as much as i could um you know because i just it just kind of like fell on me you know
0: yeah. Well, um, I mean, at a very young age, I'm assuming that you probably felt like you had to take on some of that responsibility and a role to be the, the man of the family. And, and yet, you know, you headed kind of down that wrong path, like you mentioned, and were out of the household. So again, I would imagine you're probably trying to make up for it in some way, you know, by y- yes. getting back into that role when you had the opportunity to set yourself right.
1: Yes. A hundred percent. And, yeah. and, and one of the reasons also that it's, very huge. And I want to address is that we were very poor, but sooner or later, my mom knew about um, food stamps. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember the first day we went to go get food, because I knew we didn't have money. But all of a sudden, we were getting all this food from the grocery store, and I couldn't believe it. And then she explained to me. And, you know, when nine eleven happened, I mean, for the I would like to say the vast majority of Americans felt a certain way. And I wanted to do my my service, but I was so young. So until I was old enough i felt like the, the the country took care of my family and i with well, they, they gave us food and and now it's my my turn to repay that and and you know that was a big thing i wanted to repay all of that because i just i don't understand i mean i don't just don't think people understand how big and important that is when when for no you have nothing and the, the government yet is like well here you go here's some food to eat
0: yeah well and it- Again, I think a lot of Americans take that for granted. And you you have to think about, too, the the percentage. I mean, we talk about it, I think, um, as the general public on occasion when the time suits us, but less than 1% of the population is serving on active duty right now. So that means that it's a small segment of the population that's willing to go and, you know, have selfless service and come out and, and want to do something like what you're talking about. Yes, Really, really small and and so someone like you who's coming in is most appreciative you know even of those that you were probably with in your peer group and basic training my assumption is too that you probably still um were pretty much one of the rare breeds of individuals that came in that way you know and yeah. and with struggles and everything else maybe not you know i think we all have different stories and stuff prior to getting there but i think you know what i mean as far as you know the challenges that you went through
1: yeah yes and 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 for, like right away, like uh, in basic training, while well, people were losing weight, I was gaining weight. I I couldn't believe I was getting three meals a day. I had a bed because like I slept on the floor the vast majority of my life and, you know, sometimes being homeless. So like sleeping on a park bench was like, it was okay. Yeah. You know, so. Wow. And then, well, sometimes as a private, you know, you kind of get like the short end of things. But like, I remember I was kind of like fake complaining and my friend was like, Oh, be quiet! You love this, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I can't complain, you know." But um, so where did you go through I got, basic and AIT? Uh, so I signed up as a combat engineer, and okay. the reason I I chose combat engineer is because uh, I would watch uh the military channel a lot, and I I I didn't know anything about the military, so I just kept seeing that these things called IEDs were killing soldiers. Yeah, so. I remember when I walked into the recruiting station, I had, like, this whole spiel I was going to give, and I was, like, so scared and nervous, and I was like, my name's Angel Cortez, and uh, I want to join, and I've I've seen that IEDs, you know, kill a lot of soldiers, so I want to do something to either find them or go after the people that do it, make them or whatever, and then the recruiter was like, okay, well, you can either be EOD or a combat engineer, and he explained EOD and at the time there's no way I was going to make that. He was telling me about all the schooling and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, I, I, besides math and PE, I failed everything else in high school. Like there's just no way I'm going to be able to, to, to do like Navy EOD or, or, or anything like that. So I was like, And they're like, oh, you can do combat engineer. And I was like, well, combat engineer it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So AIT and basic for me was in Missouri.
0: Yeah, Fort Leonard So after Fort Leonard did you end up volunteering for airborne school or what
1: what was? Uh, No, 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 no. So I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know anything about the military. So I just signed up as a regular um, combat engineer. So right after that, I went to Fort Lewis, Washington. And uh, I got there and they were like, you know, me being the new guy, they're like, pack your gear because tomorrow we're doing day and night shooting day and night demo because we leave to Iraq in four months. And I was like, okay. Mm. So, you know, and then it took a while until I I knew more, I learned more about the military and and then uh, I was like, okay, well, uh, I want to go, I want to go become a ranger.
0: So was that because of where you were stationed and you had the opportunity to meet some of those guys or what was it that made you now all of a sudden decide that you want to go down that path?
1: Well, so once after, because I used to think that like special forces and Navy SEALs and Rangers and stuff like that, I used to think that you just got sent there. Like, ah, I didn't know, I didn't know there was a a volunteer, a select. Yeah, yeah a, volu- a volunteer and or selection. I just, yeah. I, I didn't know anything about it. So then once I, I would see them training and, and, and I learned about, you know, would read more books and watch movies and documentaries about like the type of mission they wanted to do and stuff like that. Um. I didn't know if I had it in me and, but I was, I was fortunate enough to have this great, you know, great leadership, uh, specifically, uh, somebody named, uh, Hugh der Vanderwall. And, and he, he saw something in me and I still ask him to this day, he's still my friend. I'm like, what was it about me that you're that made you want to put so much time and energy beyond the hours of, of that you had to, you know? Um, and he's like, I saw something in you. I saw something in you and, and that's why I helped. So he built me up. So, you know, I, which, by the way, when I first joined, I it's not like all my trouble making behavior went away. I, I a piece of me was fine, it and I was still a knucklehead, you know. But he he stomped out all that out. Um, and uh, you know, he he helped me build myself, you know, physically, mentally, and and then I went for it. Yeah. yeah I, so were, I, you,
0: I, I, were you like about 135 pounds at this point, or?
1: Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I was like 130. Yeah. I was when I, yeah, I was so little. I I look at pictures and I was just like, oh my God, there's, yeah. If you would have got a a, a Ranger contract, there's no, I don't think you would have made that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, uh and also what sealed the deal is that I, I was fortunate enough to, we went to, I went to Iraq and Afghanistan in, in Afghanistan, we got attached to uh third group. So third special forces group. Okay. And doing, doing the whole uh, VSO thing. And, and I actually started making my packet to be, to go SF while I was at Bagram. But then one of the Rangers, I mean, one of the SF guys was a Ranger and he told me about a little bit more about Rangers in specific. And I was like, you know what? That sounds more like for me, like that sounds, yeah, that's, I wouldn't do that. So as soon as I came back, I I, I dropped my packet and then me being prior service. And at the time being an NCO, they're like, Hey man, it's not personal, but it's a one shot thing. Okay. So if you quit, get injured at any point, like that's it for you, you got to go back to your unit. And I was like, okay. So in one year I did in this order, um, I went to pre, yeah. So pre, pre RASP, RASP, airborne school, uh, master breacher ranger school so i did that and and then i got my my official spot
0: okay so pre-rasp rasp we're talking about 11 12 weeks somewhere in there um then breacher how long was that two two weeks two weeks and then ranger school being about yep yeah uh what is it three months somewhere in there so yeah Wow. Okay. So you spent the better part of at least half that year not even being with the regiment, but actually being in some form of school or training. Yes. Yeah, That's that's especially coming directly into it. What was the impression that you had of the NCOs when you arrived there in comparison to the guy that just mentored you to this point?
1: Well, right off the bat, it was like everybody was like him. And I loved it because uh, mm-hmm. the regular army has great leadership. You know, but there's just – instead of, like, for example, instead of there just being, you know, two or three or four guys, good guys in a platoon, it will, it will in regiment, the whole platoon is like that. Yeah. The whole platoon is on point. The privates are on point. Everyone's on point, And you have to earn your spot, and you build each other. And, you know, you, you, they train so hard. We train so hard, and you don't become the best of the best by sitting down and not training. And right off the bat, I looked up to the, everybody, like, I – even the even even the privates I, I looked up to because uh, or the Joe's, like the specialists because like I was like, you were you've been in here since day one, you know more than me. like yes, I have experience and I have knowledge and all that. but right now within this organization, you right now know more than me, and I need to know everything that you need to. That you that probably you
0: know. one of the best things you can do as an, a young leader. I mean, especially as a young E five or something coming into that type of operational environment, uh, humbling yourself and letting some of your subordinates know. Listen, I don't have all the answers, and you guys have been here, done that. I had to, I had to put myself in a very similar situation. It's a difficult thing to do for some people. Their egos get to them. You know, they want to they want to hide behind that rank. You know.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It, it, it was hard Yeah. because only because a lot, uh, you know, I mean, it's, 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 everyone's an alpha male there, right? So oh, sure. yeah. obviously, obviously when I show up with that type of attitude, they immediately take that as weakness and, and I had to take it for, for what it was. And it, I just don't think some people are used to that. And the more I was like that, the more I realized, yeah, people aren't used to that. They, they think it automatically, cause I would have Joe's be like, Hey, you know what? you like, Pretty cool guy. Like you're not a dick. And yeah. I'm like, well, no, because like you know more than me about this organization. I'm not gonna come in here and act like I know everything when I don't. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. But you carried um, your weight obviously because you're not going to survive in regiment as an NCO unless you can.
1: Exactly, exactly. And 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 then again, I was fortunate enough to fall into great leadership. You know, um, and uh, Sergeant salise was my, you know, when he was my section leader, and unfortunately, you know, he he was killed um in 2008 which that was a hard hit because yeah. you know I had just I I, I, Sorry, I was man. out yeah I was out and and you I, I knew life would go on you know I knew I knew the machine was going to keep going on without me but I it never really crossed my mind like some of the people that I know are going to die like I just thought yeah. you know so he was everyone has nothing to say but good things about him you know and he was so nice he's a great leader and and he was my leadership so uh, once again I got lucky um, and he he showed me the way and he was so smart um that he he understood like the the path that I was stealing. so instead of giving me a hard time he was like this is what you need to do to be successful so
0: well, you had two good mentors, and I've I ran across individuals um, that never had one, and and I feel so um, sad for them because I had a very good NCO in my first couple years within the Army that helped guide me. It sounds like the same NCO that you had in the very uh, first couple years, you know, made a great impression. And then after that, I just kept running into good NCOs and good NCOs that kept teaching me. Now, I, it didn't mean that I didn't have some pretty crappy ones. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast that, you know, I, I learned probably just as much from the crappy one as I did from the good one. And uh, because I learned what not to do. But having those good NCOs, those good leaders around you to set the right example and to teach you, man, those, you know, those things are worth the weight and goal. And, yes, and they, yes. they, they end up teaching, usually they end up teaching you to be a great NCO as well.
1: Yes. And, and that's why when I tell people, you know, they're like, hey, you know, you're uh, they're trying to give me credit. And I'm like, I'm, this is nothing that I created. This is good ideas, you know, that people, that great leaders put in me that I'm just copying, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We
0: um, all do. And yeah.
1: I, yeah. And like, no, but like you said, the bad ones, yeah, sometimes you learn more of From the bad ones because you're like okay don't do that because this is what's gonna happen right um but yeah you know I got lucky because some people even ask me they're like why is it that you have nothing but nothing but good things to say about the military and I have like so and so like a cousin or a brother or whatever and they're like and they hated the military and I tell them like well the military is made up of people like from people from outside so you know you can find the best of the best and the worst of the worst in there too and sometimes a leadership you know maybe your team leaders. It's going on a divorce or maybe his friend died and now he's been drinking a lot i'm you know i'm not giving him excuses of why he's a terrible leader but they're human beings too and things affect them and unfortunately new guys that's who their leadership is and they get a, a bad taste of the military and they get out and they're like this was a waste of my time
0: you know in the military i can say and i think you probably experienced this yeah. now that you've been out for a little while angel is that um You know, when we're in the military, especially as an NCO, we learn to take care of our people by getting to know everything we can about them. If you are a good NCO, if you are a good leader, you you know, your first and primary goal is to understand what makes them tick, what doesn't make them tick so that you can then um, make some kind of impact on them, understand how they fit within the team, um, provide the right guidance, you know, all of that kind of good stuff and understand maybe why they're acting the way they are if they're not performing up to the proper level. You know, that's that's how you do that, by guiding and coaching and mentoring them. Up In the private sector, we don't always get the opportunity and in some cases because of human uh, resources, restrictions, laws, or whatever yep. that prohibit you from being able to have that type of experience to that level. And I think it hurts leaders out here in the private sector because they don't have the ability to get to know – to that degree that you have a wife, you have kids, you came from this type of background, you know, these are the pros, the cons. I mean, really get to know the individual it makes such a huge difference.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and I noticed that having working these little odd jobs and realizing how distant some leadership is and realizing, And then when they, there's issues, like, well, well, if you're a little bit closer to the situation, you know, maybe that wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how long did you end up spending with 175? Uh, so 2000 for four years, yeah. So for, yeah, four years. Okay. Did yeah, you end so up I going to in,
0: conventional or?
1: No, so I was uh, I was in from 08 to 2016, and then so ha- my first half in the regular army, and then the other half uh, in regiment. And gotcha. then um, I will I have to say once well. It was a big part because of Sergeant Solis, release, but when I when I made a decision of start to go to school to become a registered dietitian. They were nothing but helpful. They, they. I mean, I've heard horror stories of when guys are getting out. They, they give them a lot of crap, but fortunately for me, he, you know, he was like, "Yeah, do what you need to do so your family and yourself are successful on, on the outside."
0: Well, let's talk about that because, you know, you wouldn't normally think that that's the path. And of course, if you follow a lot of you on uh, your profile and stuff on social media, um, there's a lot of, you know, cool guy stuff that you're doing out there. And so people, you know, they see the tactics, they see those types of things. And that's typically the path, especially of soft individuals they end up going to because it's very comfortable. And we've talked about this through the transition of how, you know, they look for the A lot of guys, they they chase the almighty dollar and they go places where they can get paid. And there's nothing wrong with that. Or they go in an area that's very comfortable because um, it is quite challenging to make that transition. And it's hard for the private sector to follow your resume and to see exactly how it's going to fit in with their role or their position within their company. So in your case, though, you decided to go on and better yourself with an education. You chose a very different Um, you know, career study and stuff. So I'm very curious as to why it is that you chose this path.
1: Well, um, when I was in regiment, I was competing uh, in Muay Thai. And uh, I remember one day, uh, so we, you know, during Ranger Rendezvous, um, the registered dietitian was giving advice to all the boxers and and MMA fighters. And, but before that day, I had no idea what a registered dietitian was. I just knew the word diet was in it. So, (laughs) yeah. Probably something about food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I started talking to her and she's like, Oh, are you competing? And I was like, no, I actually have a fight in a week. So I just don't want to get hurt. But I overheard you, you know, giving advice on this and this. And, and I asked her a little bit more about her role. Um, and, and I was like, okay, do you, can I have your information? Uh, Cause um, I would like to, you know, get some info. Cause I'm gonna, I need, I need to cut weight for this fight and stuff like that. And I want to just make sure I, have, I do it properly and I refuel properly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so after I worked with her, um, she made a, a meal plan and she's like, come back to me in two weeks. And I thought I was just going to, you know, just feel a little bit better. I just had no idea that, first of all, how wrong I was on my diet. You know, I, uh, you know, I was like, well, I'm a ranger. I know how to eat. If I made it this, <laughs> this far, I had, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, yeah, but you know, everything... No it, rippets
0: and nothing like that then.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it was... I realized right away I didn't have <laughs> as much fruits and vegetables on my plate as I thought I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I used, to, I used to eat one apple a week and be like, yo, that's good, right? Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm like you. I probably carbs and meat. That was prime... You know, that's my diet. Vegetables? Nah. Fruit? Not that much.
1: Yeah. But, and then come... You know, now that I know better, it's like that's what actually helps performance and right. recovery. Yeah. Um, so after... Two weeks of the, of following her diet, I, I I you know checked up with her and 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 I had no idea how much of what you put in your body affects you because my sleep improved, my mood improved. I used yeah. to have this crash in the middle of the day, now it's gone. Um, my recovery, I was telling her like I'm not this, I can't in two weeks. I honestly feel stronger faster, but what I feel like I can I recover faster. Um, so
0: you started so learning then, more about the glycemic index then.
1: Yeah, so it, everything about about nutrition, and then so when I decided to get out, I was like, okay, um, I had kids, so I, I I entered the military with no kids, and I'm about to get out with two kids, and I had missed everything, uh, the birth of, of of both my kids. I was mm. you know I was in Afghanistan, so I'm gone, um, anniversaries, everything. I, I missed everything, so I was like, okay, so when I get out, I can either I have a uncle who's SWAT. He used to be a Marine, and then now he's SWAT for a local city. And he's like, "Come and follow my footsteps," and and it, it, it sounded like a great idea. But but if I was going to get out to actually now spend time with my family, and I jumped right into that, then it's the same thing. Like I just changed locations. Yep. So I was okay. Change uniforms. What, yep. Yep. And and nobody in my family had gone to college, so I knew that. Right? I I, I always knew that. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go get a degree. And if I still wanted to go do, you know, be SWAT or, or whatever, I'll yeah. go for it. But, but first I need to do this for my family because all everyone who was born after, or yeah, after me, you know, they have no role model of like, I can make it to college too, and my kids too. So I love the military, but I just, I want them to, to note that, you know, going to college is, is an option. So I was like, okay, so what am I passionate about? I'm like, well, I'm passionate about fitness and nutrition and stuff like that. And then I was like, you know what? Go be a registered dietitian. But at the beginning, I just did it for performance. I had no idea that being a registered dietitian has, to, I mean, uh, performance is just a small portion of that, you
0: know? But you, you did something here. I mean, there's a couple of things that you, you kind of went through. Um, first off, here's an individual that, that struggled through school. Um, you know, ha- had a difficult upbringing, made the best of all the things that was placed in front of him, gets an opportunity now to excel. And so you look introspectively, and I've talked about this so often that you've got to start thinking about what are the things that are most important to you? What are the things that you enjoy doing? People ask me, I, I can't figure out, you know, what my purpose or passion is. Can you help me figure it out? And it's like, dude, you got to sit down and really think about, Inside you, what are the things you enjoy? And if it's a hobby, great. Then that could be your purpose or passion. You can still do a job and 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 leave that as a side and everything. But if you can make a living out of doing something you enjoy doing, like what you're talking about. But not only that, but you have you realize that you're going to have to now apply yourself and go to to college. Something that is beyond what you even thought at seventeen and a half, right? Because you made a choice yes. to go to the military because you knew then you weren't mature enough and um, you didn't apply yourself properly in school to do it. So, yep. but now you've got a family, you're much more mature and you go, okay, th- this is the direction I want to go into. I already now know what my purpose and passion is. Cause I took the time to try to figure that out. That that's, that's really impressive.
1: And, and again, that falls into the leadership because I, th- I didn't have that in me. You know, I developed that and I didn't develop that type of mindset by myself. So, I knew I, I knew school was going to be tough, um, but I just figured if I apply myself, how I applied myself in the military, I should be able to pass. I mean, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah,
1: you know, <laughs> I should be able to pass. I hope. So uh, you know, also a big thing was was my upbringing. Just because I was in the military doesn't, in, uh, in my head didn't justify me missing a lot and being absent from my kids. You know I mean? Yeah. But you're not I mean, a yes, quitter. Sir.
0: You're a fighter. You can, you can hear that, you know?
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, I, and being in the military is a great thing and, and, and we all make sacrifices, but I was just, just me. I was like, man, it just doesn't justify it in my eyes. You mm. know, and I'm being selfish because I love the military to this day. I can't believe I even got paid for it in, yeah. in the beginning. I didn't even know we got paid for it. You're right. So I was like, okay, I got, I, I need, I need to, I need to be there for my kids. Cause sometimes what they need mostly is just you being there physically. They don't yeah. care about where you're going to buy them or whatever. They just want you there. Um, so I did that. And right off the bat, I'm not going to lie. School was harder than what I thought. Um, mm-hmm. it, uh, Cause The books don't care how fast and strong you are. They just want you to sit down and learn the material.
0: (laughs) Well, in the first couple of years, you know, you probably started realizing that all the things that you're learning have nothing to do with what it is that you're going to finally get your, you know, get your degree in finally. And that's the things like math and science and history and all those things that you probably hated while you were going to high school
1: yes right right off the bat they're talking about english and yeah and this and that and i'm just like what i <laughs> I, I just want to tell people to eat healthy right when are we gonna Why get to I that do... yeah 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 so yeah so the first two years obviously because i had no college it was you know just G, you know general education stuff uh yeah. history was cool um but it was just like all the reading and writing which you know obviously i'm going to apply it later on but at the time i was just Like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Did did you find
0: that while you were going to college, though, that um, your your mind was a lot more clear and some of the things that you may have overlooked or just not really thought were placed inside your brain when you're going through high school, all of a sudden pop out while you're in college and you're like, oh, crap, I know this. Yeah, I remember this.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. A lot. Uh, You know, yeah, yeah. But before I forget, with each semester, I learned more about myself. You know, uh, uh, the military was great, but just college itself—that experience when you when you dive into it—it's it's a it it it'll build you.
0: Yeah, no, I can totally see that, and I remember uh, going through the, some of the same process. Now, I went while I was still on active duty, and it took me like I don't know, I think it was like eight years in order for me to get my undergrad uh, because I went to school when I wasn't in, in some type of um, you know, training or whatever the case may be. And so it might be, I could take a semester here or semester there. I had to take a couple of years off. I might take one class, you know, um, and, and those types of things, but you know, it's the same types of challenge. You just got to apply yourself and put everything you've got into it. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. If you do that.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and, and that's what I tell myself because I know better. Um, you know, I'm like, like, you <laughs> I get frustrated just like everybody else. I, I sometimes just, you know, say being in the military was a lot easier and I should probably just go back. And, But I know that if I graduate, it, I'll set an example for everybody in my family or for people from similar backgrounds, and, and I know I'll feel better. I I know within myself, you know, so. So how far along do you it, have? How much more time? I uh, actually have a year and a half left. Oh, that's not so bad. I, yeah. Yeah, it's not. And and then after that, I have my I I do my internship and then take the national exams and then you know start working. Yeah, uh, which it's gone by fast, but at the same time it feels like forever. <laughs>
0: well, you're now starting to get, you know, you're starting to get into like the heart of what your degree is, you know, a little yes. bit more. You're Well, you're, you're coming into the very beginnings of it, you know, your next, um probably six months from now, you're really going to start getting into it. But this is the part where I've got to believe you've, you're now coming down the hill, you're, you're starting to see, you know, a lot of the things that why you chose this as a, a new career path and everything. So um, is there anything that you're seeing that, makes you question whether or not this was the right decision
1: well what what, what i do question now is why what do i want to do like for example i wanted to do it for performance purposes but now i i don't know i don't think i want to do it for that uh, for example we have uh, we have a bunch of interns and registered dietitians from different fields that come in and talk to us and one of them was from WIC, and and um, she was saying that there's not enough Spanish-speaking um, registered dietitians, mm. and it's hard for them to communicate with the local population in areas, like, for example, that I was born and raised in. And I, so I had to ask myself, do I want to do it for performance and help people that in reality, if they need a registered dietitian, they they have life yeah. uh, handled for the most part, or do I want to go to an area where, these people don't know anything about nutrition. Um, looking at the stats, you know, they are not healthy. Um, they find they have a tough find, finding nutrient-dense food. So I feel like I could do more good in those areas.
0: You know, I listen to this and I can still see, though, that you may have two different paths that end up happening at some point. Um, where because your passion still is in working within the fitness side of it so i don't think that you necessarily have to give it up i think it's a To look for opportunities to where you can fulfill both of what you're describing here, maybe um, for a short period of time, your focus ends up being in, say, WIC, while in the evenings or in a weekend or something, you help train or help coach or mentor individuals from, you know, the fitness side of the the world. Um, And then one may end up blending more into the other, if that makes any sense.
1: Yes, yes, I and, and somebody did tell me that recently. Yeah, and but it was funny because before they told me that, I was like, "Well, I have to pick," but then like, "You don't yeah, have to pick." No. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "Oh, that's right." <laughs>
0: and, and it's one chapter of your life. I mean, listen to all that you've accomplished, and you, and you'll probably realize it a whole lot more when you listen back to this episode of all the things and the hurdles that you've gone through in your life, and each one of those things are one chapter within a book. You're just, you know, right now you're trying to figure out the next chapter and what that might be and what it might look like. But two chapters from now, that may look entirely different. And that's the beauty of the whole thing of living.
1: Yes. Yeah, I, I agree, you know. Um, and to be honest, I still can't believe it, you know. I I don't know. I'm not sure if it's luck or I don't know. I don't
0: well, know. You've uh, I don't think it's luck, my friend. I think what you've done is you've created – a path whether knowingly or unknowingly you have made choices within your life that taught you lessons that led you to where you are today and each one of those things good or bad led you to this moment and you just touch keep trusting your gut keep trusting your instincts they they tend to be pretty good it sounds like so man i wish you nothing but the the best in your future
1: yeah no thank you sir thank you you know
0: appreciate you coming on the podcast man and sharing your story angel I, I think it's amazing i look forward to hearing more about what you're doing as far as your your co- uh, college and schooling and what you're going to do thereafter and and i hope you get a chance to come back on and share some of that as well
1: well anytime sir and it it, it was it was an honor being here I, I when somebody reached out i i couldn't believe it i to this day you know i'm still that kid you know so when something like this happens i'm just like really me yeah (laughs) so i mean i appreciate it
0: yeah man well you're making me feel old call me sir though but that's okay well (laughs) (laughs) Uh, angel you take care of yourself brother and uh we look forward to talking to you again in the near future
1: okay have a good day